Well, 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 welcome to the mayhem Dick and Lloyd mayhem Media mayhem Marketing mayhem You might love it, you might hate it It's my favorite freaking show Come on in. We've got Crosby Camper III in the Cigar Lounge ready to chat. From banking to the director of the Kansas City Library to thoughts on developments around KC and growing up Kemper in Kansas City. We'll down a few mimosas and get the story from a truly engaging guy. An old friend is singing back in the employee lounge too. And we'll be ready to... Uh, uh, let me get this. Yes, hello. Oh, hey, champ, it's Buzz. Oh, oh, yeah, Buzz, the uh, the sales guy for our podcast. Uh, Martini, yeah, how you doing, champ? Hey, listen, Dick. What's up? I hear you got uh, Crosby Kemper on the show. Oh, yeah, Crosby, yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, that guy's something else. What a guy. <laughs> uh, you talk about a renaissance man. Yeah. He- he makes uh, Leonardo da Vinci look like a toll booth operator. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, tell him I said hi. Oh, you know him? Oh. Well, yeah, I mean, not yeah. exactly. I mean, we run what? the same circles, oh. I mean, but not that well. I mean, I opened yeah. a, I opened a checking account at the SunFresh. Oh, okay. Well, he, he's not into banking now. He He's with the library. Oh, really? The library? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, yeah, I've been there, too, once. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, me, too. Yeah, yeah I had to go. It was uh, what? downtown, and, you know, you can't hold it forever. Oh, I mean, you know, there on. they are. Come <laughs> on. Yeah, anyway, take it easy, champ. <sighs> Loy, here we are, back at Deebles, and we've got uh, some cigars going early in the morning, and uh, a special guest with us. Yeah, a very special guest. We've got Crosby Kemper with us this morning. Everybody knows... Who Crosby Kemper is? He's, uh oh, yeah. Oh, oh, where do we go from there? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> and they know who Jesse James is and who Mickey Mouse is, and where do I? A fit local that hero to many, uh, as was you. I guess Jesse James. Well, yeah, to some, yeah, a few. Except he was on the not, other not side bankers. of the banking. Thing. Yeah, I yeah. Would say not bankers. Did you ever do Jesse James on the uh, the Meet the Past yes. series? Did yes, you really? We, yes, we oh, did. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Bill Worley's son, uh, Aaron Worley, played him, and uh, you know. Uh, he came armed, and I was a little frightened. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Sure. Yeah. But yeah. I was able to tell a story about Jesse, speaking of Jesse James and bankers, how I once went to my father when I was first in banking, and, and I was on the board of our Northland Bank. Yeah. And uh, I came to him with the idea that they had been pitched for a Jesse James days in the Northland, and I thought this would be a good thing for the bank to sponsor. And my father said, Crosby, United Missouri Bank does not sponsor bank robbers. <laughs> Wow, that was a good impression. That was a good, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I've done better. But anyway, he, he wasn't thrilled with the idea. His had, nephew, uh, Jesse James' nephew, uh, two doors down from me in Fairway as I was growing up. Oh, really? Okay. Forster Bar. No kidding. Yeah, he huh. was the last of the... The last of the James clan. Yeah. You meant yeah. something. Yeah. Wow. Well, let's get in. We were talking a while ago about... Uh, uh, well, we're doing this a little bit after Thanksgiving, but there's been an election earlier in the month, and uh, and the library was pretty happy about how things came out, weren't you? Huh? Very happy. We got yeah. 84% of the vote, and uh, we won every precinct uh, in 
our part of Kansas City, Missouri, and our little part of Independence and Sugar Creek. We mm -hmm. were very, very pleased. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And to, to what do you uh, attribute that besides, you know, you kind of heading it up and uh, being a personality in the market and that kind of thing? Well, uh, I hope they had a little bit to do with it, but I think more our signature, the signature thing of this library has been our adult programming. The Kauffman Foundation and many others have, have helped us with that. And we've reached all elements of the community, I think, with it. We've, we've done serious issue programming around the important issues for, for the whole city. We've done things for each of the communities that, within the community, the African-American community, the Hispanic community, cultural and educational programs, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And I think we've reached a lot of people, and people have appreciated that. The other thing we did, um, and we were copying other libraries, in particular our friends at uh, Sister Library in Mid-Continent, we did lots of community meetings, and we were, we were told we ought to do 200 during the course of the campaign. We ended up probably doing about 500 meetings, and you know, every Rotary Club, every professional club, uh, uh, every neighborhood organization, and, uh, and, and then, the, the, but the real answer to the question, those were important things that we did, and also I should uh, honor our political consultants, Pat O'Neill and Patrick Shami, who mm -hmm. did a fabulous job, and you may have noticed our yard signs <laughs> we like to think we had more yard signs than McCaskill or Hawley. I wouldn't say McCaskill and Hawley, but yeah, maybe. And, uh, and they did a fabulous job with that and other things. Uh, but the real, real answer to the question is, I've got an amazing staff. And they were out in the community. They've always been out in the community. And there, there's probably no institution in, in America that, uh, that has better uh, public perception, uh, trust uh, among the public than libraries in general. And I think our library may be special even in, mm -hmm. in that yeah. category. Yeah. Well, I've certainly enjoyed a lot of the book-oriented uh, events that you've had there with authors. And you mentioned Pat O'Neill. He's had a few there. Well, He's it, uh, Pat the has been Irish in the library history. a lot. And, and we get we get very, very good crowds. M most of them, of course, are his relatives. Mm -hmm. He has a big family. <laughs> he a does. A really big family. So we know we'll get a, a good crowd if just the O'Neills show That's up. That's right. And, and, uh, so, uh, and Jack Cashill. And, ja and, and, and my, my longtime friend, Jack, uh, who, uh, who writes uh, very entertaining and frequently very enlightening uh, books, uh, you know, telling some truth. You know, he, he, I, I loved his, his book, uh, you know, after Tom Frank, who we've had in the library, too, mm -hmm. a number of times, you know, wrote What's the Matter with Kansas, big bestseller uh, from the left. And Jack wrote What's the Matter with California. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, Jack uh, wasn't going to let that pass. Yeah, absolutely not. So yeah, we love having Jack in the library. And a lot of issues that I think are like third rail issues for local uh, Kansas City. Thing. I I remember I a gentleman had had done studies on these these new uh, hotels that convention center convention hotels. Center hotels. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fantastic speech that he gave about yeah. how, you know, completely, uh, you know, to looking at all the promises and all these projections and, and yeah. catching well, he, a lot he, of... You know, he was the Brookings uh, expert on, on uh, convention centers and convention center hotels and a professor at the University of Texas. Uh, and I brought him in because he was the world's greatest expert on this. The city council had a very negative reaction to that. Yeah. They thought they should, you know, the whole, there shouldn't actually be any conversation about this. They decided to do it, uh, and uh, that, was, that was enough. And, and you know, he, uh, this guy challenged their, their ideas and, and with, with, with the basic numbers from around the country. 
And w it will be interesting to see the Convention Center Hotel is, you know, they've almost topped out now and, and uh, it's underway, it's going to happen. And uh, I haven't heard about any new conventions that we're getting. No. When the truth came out, you are really my impression, one of the many impressions I've gotten following you is that you are a truth teller and a truth seeker. Above I like all. I think so, thank you, yeah. I and so. that, uh, to me, that uh, I just think it's 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 so uh, wonderful to have someone in this role that you're currently in, leading the library, uh, and to be a a thinker, uh, 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 like an. Uh, I'm assuming you're an Austrian economic school person. Uh, I've seen yeah, you yeah pretty appeared much on Hayekian and uh, you know you love Mises to von, pieces, von, right? Von Mises to pieces, absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, Friedman at, at all, and you know. Uh, my my pal uh, Rex Sinkfield, you know, I chair the Show Me Institute, and Rex is the president of the Show Me Institute. Rex uh, is an efficient markets guy, and I don't quite go as far as the efficient markets guys, but he's had three Nobel Prize winners on his board, and we get we get them into the Show Me Institute periodically, and and uh, and it's always fun to hang out with Nobel Prize winners, you know. Absolutely. So, but Tell yeah. me more about that Show Me Institute. What is that? What are you, what are you doing? Well, there? so it's a state public policy think tank. Mm -hmm. it, it's, I wouldn't say we're exactly modeled on, but it relates to uh, the folks like the Cato Institute in Washington. And our, our basic idea is free markets. Uh, markets will tend to be more efficient and fairer than government uh, dirigist and bureaucratic uh, activity. So if you can do anything through market forces, uh, through privatization, uh, that sort of thing, we're into school choice. And we also believe that complex uh, and high tax systems, tax regimes are inevitably inefficient and slow economic growth and uh, don't distribute money uh, throughout the, uh, the system to, to everybody, as well as lower, fairer, simpler tax systems. Kansas City would be a really good example of that. Yes. The Kansas City Star has finally found out, I've been telling them for 10 years, uh, they finally found out that we're a high tax city. Um, and they're beginning to find out, which I've told them for 10 years, uh, again, that we are very regressively taxed city. We really, we tax the working poor. If you're working poor, Kansas City is the last city in America that you'd want to live in. Because uh, we, we not only tax, tax the, the working poor with sales taxes um, and earnings tax, it's a flat tax from dollar one. Um, we have the, among the highest sewer and water rates uh, in the United States, and they're going up even more from where they are now. So you don't want to, you want to, don't want to be poor with a job in Kansas City. You're screwed. Now, what you just said, it should be obvious to a lot of people, mm -hmm. and yet the success of the library question on the ballot is, I mean, you're, you're in this strange situation. First of all, when you get together with the other library executives in the country who are libertarian, free market, uh, there are about three of them. I yeah. wondered if it was just you or if there were three. Yeah, there are about three of us. Um, and, uh, and they've got to be in places like uh, San Antonio or something. Yeah, uh, I mean, in, in places like San Antonio, actually, I don't know, who, I don't remember who the librarian is in San Antonio, but I do I know, for instance, the Houston and the Dallas and the you know, librarians in, uh, and others in, in, in that part of the world. And 
and it, it libraries tend to be the one place that liberals can hang out, you know, in mm -hmm. places like that. So, um, and and they're and they're all my friends, and I have great friends among the liberal librarians. But yeah, they're they're one or two, and we're almost all hidden, you know. Well, you obviously get along well with liberals because if you didn't, you'd be in. Probably be deep in trouble at library meetings. Yeah, field. I mean, I get into trouble with them, you know, per periodically. And uh, we have there's a sort of anti-religious bias uh, mm -hmm. among librarians, and we've had some listserv conversations about excluding religious programs uh, from library activities, and and I, I always object to that. Um, and so we, we uh, there, I do get into it per periodically with uh, with folks, and then you know the programming we present in the Kansas City Public Library includes all political views. Yeah. We've had lots of liberals, lots of uh, left liberals like Tom Frank in the in the library, Chris Hedges, uh, uh, many others, centrists, and lots of conservatives uh, uh, as well. And every once in a while, I get somebody to say, well, "How can you have that person?" And it's almost inevitably somebody on the left objecting to one of our conservative or libertarian uh, speakers. Well, I'm sure they would love to hate you, but they just can't, Crosby, because you've got that <laughs> cudgel. teddy bear. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the sense of humor, the, uh, the great demeanor, the, uh, the truth is the big cudgel. And then you are also uh, such a supporter of the arts and theater and things. At, how can they? I mean, this, is, well, I, this I, has got to be confounding. But... Speaking of confounding, back to the back to this issue, the the library question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there you were leading the charge for saying, "Hey, the complexity industry really sucks, but there is this one area where we really need to get." And you got eighty what? Eighty four percent of the vote. And so as we however no weary Kansas City should be of tax issues, yeah. they it, still are willing it, it, it to took, support. It took us a long time to put it on the ballot, and of course I did take uh, some heat from various people, particularly on the left, a little bit from the Star Editorial Board, you know, having said that you know, we're high tax and we should, we should be very careful about spending any more money. Um, high, high tax and high spending. Kansas City, Missouri spends a lot more than similar cities uh, on most things except infrastructure, except the roads, mm -hmm. um, which everybody may have noticed over the last three days. But, um, so I got, I got some kidding about, about that, but you know, the easy answer to that, uh, and it's why my friends like Jack Cashel or Dan Coffey or John Murphy or people who've led the charge against certain taxes and, uh, in town supported us, mm -hmm. uh, is because we had to do this because the city, with its economic development policy, takes money from the library, the school district, the mental health levy, and gives it to developers through tax increment financing, right. TIF, and tax abatement. And Kansas City is the center of that in the Western world. Only St. Louis is, is equivalent, a acting under the same very permissive state law. And Chicago is the third largest user of, of tax abatement and TIF, um, is about half the size of Kansas City in terms of percentage of property that is abated or diverted. And, uh, and they keep doing it. You know, luxury hotels now are getting you know, 100 these 100% uh, abatements. Um, it's crazy. 
uh, crazy stuff. And they've, they've taken a huge amount of money from the library, and we basically, this tax essentially replaced the money they've taken uh, mm -hmm. from us. Yeah, I was going to ask you what, you what what that money's going for, and that's what it is. Really. So it's $2.8 million, and you know, what, the thing that we haven't done over the last 10 years that we should have done and we couldn't do because we didn't have the money because the city's taken so much of it uh, is capital uh, renovation of branches. You know, the bathrooms, the, the, the HVAC, the roofs, the parking lots, et cetera. And then we, haven't, we, we aren't spending as much money as I would like to spend on children's literacy, um, homebound adults, senior citizens. We've got a grow, a, an aging population in the district, mm -hmm. and we need to do some things for them. And then last but definitely not least, um, we, you know, technology is a huge thing for libraries. About 25% of our population in this district doesn't have access at home to a, uh, the internet, and where they get access is in the library. And so we have to spend a lot of money on computers uh, and uh, streaming uh, uh, resources, books, you know, online books, mm -hmm. uh, electronic books, et cetera. So that's that's what the mm -hmm. money, where the money's yeah. going to go. Yeah. You're going to see. A dramatically uh, redesigned, maybe a new version of the Waldo Library, the Northeast Library is being renovated, Old Northeast, um, et cetera. So a library really is a changing thing, and you've, I mean, you're you're in the middle of this transition. What do you see a library being in the future? Is I mean, well, those of us who grew up in the so, pre-digital, you know, computers obviously have a lot to do with our our future and 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 providing technical resources to folks, more educational activities. So we do something called the Career Online High School, as an example. We are part of a virtual accredited national high school, um, and we take uh, kids 19 to 25 who've dropped out. We do this with Mid-Continent Library and uh, with Literacy KC, the Adult Literacy Program, and we have eight career tracks. We have kids who are going through these career tracks and graduating with a diploma, an actual high school diploma, essentially from the library. And, uh, but it's, a, it's an actual high school diploma with a career orientation. You're, you, you're developing skills that almost guarantee you of a job after you graduate. Now this is something libraries, libraries have always done GEDs and things like that, but this is, this is actual a participation in the educational network of the, of the city. And it's been successful. We've been doing this for a couple of years. We have graduates. We have about 600 people in the pipeline, 600 kids in the pipeline. And uh, so you'll see us do more things like that. We've got a thing called P2P, Peer-to-Peer -peer University, that is a curated online uh, virtual post-secondary college education. We're the lead library in the country for some, for this is an experiment that comes out of the MIT Media Lab. We're creating learning circles that are like classrooms, like college classrooms inside the library. So that's that's part of the future. So there's a connection factor there. Yeah. That that is something that really didn't exist that much way back when it was well, books. We've we've talked about virtual education for a long time, and it hasn't been very successful, mm -hmm. um, and, and because the completion rates are so low, and it's because you're left on your own, mm -hmm. and motivation is a huge issue. Peer pressure is a huge thing in education. And what, what we've done with these two programs is we've created essentially a classroom-like environment and some human uh, support and mentoring uh, that dramatically increases the, the completion rates for these courses. 
And so that, that's, that's a part of it. The library is a community center, is a, is a part of the, the future of the library. We've developed that over the last 10 or 20 years. Libraries in general, we've done a particularly good job, I think, in the Kansas City Public Library, partly because mm -hmm. of our programming that we talked about. And then uh, I think that the other thing that you're going to see in the future uh, of libraries that, uh, which technology enters in, and, and exactly who runs this and controls this is not clear, but we're working right now with the Kauffman Foundation and others to create um, the, the library card as an access card to the community. Um, mm. it, we've virtualized the card. Every child in the Kansas City School District has got the card. It, the number on the card is their school identifying number, which every child has memorized because it's also how they get lunch. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, using this as a bus pass, as a, uh, as a cultural uh, pass to Opera Ballet Symphony, to the museums, the Nelson, the Kemper, the Nerman, etc., um, and to recreational activities with rewards and incentives uh, built into it and also a great database of what works hmm. uh, for kids in terms of improving their school performance. So we, we, think, we think that idea has some variation on that idea is something that libraries working with schools, working with cultural institutions in a community will be the center of. And a lot of it has to do with, with technology, but it also has to do, with the key ingredient is libraries are the most trusted civic institution. And I think we're, we're a particularly good example of that as our 84% vote shows. And, uh, and, and we have a right to be a player in this universe. Mm -hmm. I understand, the, and just reading a little bit in your background of things, that if anyone's missing books at the library, they may be in your apartment. <laughs> How many of books do you have in your apartment? So I haven't counted them lately, and, and uh, um, I, I got married recently to mm -hmm. Deborah Sandler, who's the director of the Lyric Opera of Kansas City, yeah. and we bought a house. So I've moved out of my, my fabled uh, apartment that has wall-to-wall -wall books. Oh, okay. We All move right. into a house just off the plaza mm -hmm. uh, here, and uh, uh, we have a basement area that's got five rooms, all of which have got a lot of books in them. Okay. Probably right. about 25,000, somewhere between twenty and 25,000. Really? Oh, so right. you just yeah. moved all those? I, yeah. Not only did I just move all of them, and then put them almost finished putting them up in the in the lower level and of the house, and we got a flood. There was a rain about mm. oh I don't know it's now six weeks ago or something that uh, flooded the basement, and uh, so I had a swimming pool that I hadn't planned on for a little while, oh and all gosh. the books got moved out of the basement and back into the garage in boxes where they were because so, we're cleaning it all up, and. Uh, did my you lose many books? Only about a hundred, but oh, a few, okay. a few of my favorites. So I've had, I'm, I'm in the process of replacing. Now, when they go back in, uh, is there any OCD stuff going on as far as how you lay them out in the uh, in the in, in the books and the library? I, I have my own system. Do yeah, you? Okay. yeah, and uh, it, you know, it, it's by the Crosby top, Decimal System. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> topic and. You know, one interesting factoid is the Dewey Decimal System is based on a system that was actually created in St. Louis um, uh, by a guy named William Torrey Harris, who was the director of the library and the founder of their library. I'll be darned. And he actually created what's, what became the Dewey Decimal System. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working on a biography of uh, Are you? Of him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's the most interesting man <laughs> in the history of American education because he, uh, he created the, the first public extensive kindergarten system in the world. 
uh, with a woman named Susan Blow, he sent to Germany to investigate it. Mm -hmm. uh, he created the first extensive uh, education for women and for African Americans in the St. Louis public schools. And he became the, the, uh, the U.S. Commissioner of Education, and he wrote uh, with Charles Elliott, the president of Harvard, something called the Committee of Ten Report, which is a defense of a liberal education for every child, liberal arts education for every child. So he's a pretty neat guy. Now, you spent a lot of time, of course, in St. Louis when you were with UMB Bank down there. Right, I was the president in, of the bank in the St. Mid, Louis. The mid-2000s or so, wasn't it? Yeah, um, or yeah, early the 2000s. Late 90s, 93 to 2000. Was it? Okay. Yeah, and then I became CEO of UMB in 2000. What's going on with St. Louis? Is it a dying city, or are they, are they happening down there? So that, that's a complicated question. If you look at the <clears throat> total macro, St. Louis is uh, slow growth. Um, and uh, not in great shape. It's a little worse than Kansas City in, in, in most macro terms, with one big exception, but it's an important exception. They have a very dynamic uh, startup and, and tech culture. Mm. Some of that is the result of uh, companies like uh, McDonnell Douglas, which sold out, of course, to Boeing, and Monsanto, and which is now sold out too, throwing off patents and, and, uh, and experimental uh, business units and whatnot in St. Louis, and St. Louis has taken advantage of that. They've had more venture capital going on. They have a great university in terms of Wash U, um, and so that part of their culture is more dynamic than mm -hmm. ours. Yeah. But in terms of their basic demographics and in terms of the basic overall uh, economic growth, both Kansas City and St. Louis have been slow growth uh, over the last couple of decades. I personally attribute it to TIFF, but okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I do think actually that does have a, you know, our total focus from a, a government point of view in Kansas City and St. Louis has been on real estate. And real estate is, oh, I'm going to go wonky on you now for a second, real estate is the uh, least productive factor of production. It's necessary, uh, but it doesn't add to economic growth. It's not, it's not a, a factor in, in the growth of productivity. And Kansas City and St. Louis uh, have focused on real estate subsidy. And so we have, you know, we, we renovated downtown, which was great, um, but we didn't actually grow any jobs in doing that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, the organic growth that happens, I think, when, when things are, are allowed to depress, to go to the, you know, when there's creative destruction and yeah. people can organically come in and develop an area, they get squeezed out in a lot of these cases when the big... Uh, TIF or the uh, enterprise zones or any other any of the number of other things that distort the market come into place. There's an interruption of that organic growth, and a lot of times that's the deepest kind of dense growth that right. can occur. Well, you you look at our two biggest subsidy projects in the history of the of the city are Cerner and Sprint, and Sprint is fairly obvious, we, we subsidized them at the very moment they were turning south and, and, uh, and, and their growth essentially had stopped and the growth of jobs very dramatically stopped and, and declined. $900 million subsidy to, to Sprint. The campus is now, of course, for sale or they've sold it actually. Um, and uh, Cerner's a different story. It's a better managed company than Sprint was when we subsidized mm -hmm. them. Uh, their business is probably still in a, a relatively speaking a growth environment. They basically announced though in their last quarterly uh, results that they expect 
plateaus to be to be reached. It's still, it's still a great company. It's, I'm not knocking the company in any way, shape, or form. It's a great company, but the city chose to give them a gigantic subsidy at exactly the moment they were peaking. Mm -hmm. And uh, the city is a terrible judge of economic growth, of economic development, um, uh, and and yet it's. Uh, uh, it's the, the biggest tool we've got in Kansas City is the real estate subsidies that come out of the EDC. And they're not people who are trained economically, they're not people who've been trained in business, they're trained to be deal makers. And they're paid by the, from the fees of the deals. Mm -hmm. So there's an incentive for them to continue doing this stuff. And the bigger the better, and the bigger means it's going to be corporate subsidy of the larger companies, typically which you know no longer growing. Now when you left St. Louis, and you say St. Louis has that same kind of yeah. thing going on. You you left them with a, a you contributed a Shakespearean uh, well, yeah, I, society I, I, there. I call myself the Johnny Appleseed of Shakespeare festivals. I helped Marilyn Strauss start the one here, and then I went and, and founded the one in St. Louis. And they're both going very very strongly. And uh, you know, we reached between twenty and 30,000 people in Kansas City and between thirty and 50,000 people in St. Louis every year. And schools have abandoned some of the classics, you know, and uh, so it's, uh, there's, a, there's a, a hunger for, for great theater and, and, and for Shakespeare as, as the, you know, sort of founder of our view of the English language. Well, it's great we've been able to keep that going mm -hmm. through the years Absolutely. also. And, Are yeah. you, do you have a theater background? Because... Your show on KCPT, I mean, you are meet the past. So good on that, and 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 the book shows and things. You're you're like uh, yeah, okay. You're the librarian, but you're like Dean Martin when you get out there. I mean, you're cool, you're <laughs> that, hip, and you that, got jokes. That would explain our mimosas here. Yeah. You have got <laughs> jokes. Um, uh, well, th 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 uh, where did all that come from? Um, you you must have spent some time in theater. Uh, you know, I, I not really a little bit, just a tiny a tiny bit. But you know, I'm I'm basically a, a hundred percent uncured Missouri ham, um, <laughs> and, and uh, so I, I do I do enjoy uh, entertaining people. And the Meet the Past have been a lot of fun because we are enlightening. We're telling great stories about Missouri's past. Mostly, we've expanded beyond Missouri with Willa Cather and Thomas Jefferson and and others, but um, libraries are pretty, and librarians are pretty good at telling stories, and I love to tell stories, and I love to tell stories about our history, so yeah, yeah I guess I'm, I'm just a, a you know, performer uh, at heart. But the, the secret of Meet the Past is we've had some really great actors oh, uh, yes. do it, you know, uh, uh, Jen, Jen Chapman uh, uh, as an example. And oh, they do great work. I, they really uh, underplay that and make those characters so real. Yeah. Uh, you're you're yeah. used to such broad reenactors and and these guys, they're just sitting there talking to Crosby. Yep, just. exactly. Now I've got an idea here for a character. Maybe, you've, have you done Mel Blanc? No. This, this guy right here would play a good Mel Blanc Oh, for that's you. a great idea. You know, yeah, give him a little, right. little sample of, uh, Mel, uh, what kind of, uh, what, what was that first voice you came up with, Mel? What do you think? Huh? Well, I say, listen, boy. This is about as I say as close as I get to Missouri. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that see, yeah. you know, Mel Blank doesn't do Missouri. I don't think. 
<laughs> where, where, uh, Elmer Fudd, is maybe. Is he from Missouri? Is he no, from? no, no, okay. no, uh, no, no, no. No, that's, yeah, that's too bad. I think no. Elmer Fudd probably is kind Elmer of Fudd yeah. may have been from Missouri. He probably that's was, true. yeah. Uh, that's true. Probably voted uh, Republican oh, up in the yeah. north of the Missouri well, yeah, state somewhere. I yeah. 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 Definitely a Second Amendment guy. Oh, I would think so, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Dick, I'm a little thirsty. Uh, let's, yeah. let's go down to the lounge and get something to drink. Always love it. I'm a little parched myself, yeah. Yeah, I think Frank's back. I, oh, really? I thought I heard Frank rehearsing down there. You know, I I thought I heard that, too. He had something about the airport or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's you guys. Yes, sir, Mr. Uh, S. Yeah. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. hey uh, Wally Cox-looking dude. Me? You know what dry is? Dry is not good. Uh, Flying on empty here. You want some Jack? Give me some Jack. Jack Daniels, here we go. More. More. That's good. Good. Okay, great. All right, boys, let's do that airport song. Oh, I I think Crosby talks about that coming up here in a little bit. Yeah. Let's do another song for the rubes. What? Corn swag. Fly me to KC Let me see that new airport I hear it looks really cool And they paid two billion for it In other words They got screwed In other words They took it in the Keysta Brand new shiny things They always make us feel so good Then the bill comes and we know We weren't thinking so good In other words They saw us coming The airlines suggested that we set the cost allocation methodology because they were never going to agree. My problem is we sold it to the public that no general fund money would be used, and now that's exactly what we're doing. Well, I don't want anybody out there listening to this to think, to think that somehow we said something that we're not doing because, A, we never said that, and B, we haven't done anything differently than what we said we're going to do. We will go out and do external borrowing to which make will cost the general us, fund. Which will cost us. No doubt. Let's go hit that single terminal right now. Grab some cocktails and a meal. We'll leave a great big no big contract tip cause we got such a deal. In other words, we got Wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm trying to light my cigar again. Let's get back down to the lounge with Crosby Kemper, a guy who won an award from Laura Bush that a lot of librarians around the country really cherish. 
What was it? So it's uh, it's actually it's it's called the gold medal uh, for libraries and museums, uh-huh. and it's given by the Institute of Museum and Library Services, the IMLS, which is our federal government agency for libraries and museums. Mm-hmm. And it's given in the White House every year. That's the tradition, anyway. And uh, so we, we we got it during the the Bush era. So we went to Washington and, and uh, Laura Bush, uh, who is herself, of course, uh, a librarian. That's she, that was her profession. Okay. Uh, she gave us the gave us the gold medal in the in the White House. And I should say, Kansas City, being a great library town, all three of our larger libraries have won the gold medal. Johnson County won it in the early 2000s. We mm-hmm. won it in the later 2000s. Mm-hmm. And then Mid-Continent won it three or four years ago uh, and got it from Michelle Obama uh, in the Obama White House. Cool. And so we have three gold medal libraries in Kansas City, and that, that is one of the highest honors. We are also the only Missouri library that has a five-star rating from the Library Journal. They do a library rating system that's based on circulation and programming and, and, uh, and, and various things. and. Uh, per capita circulation, things like that. And, uh, and, and we're a five-star library and the only, the only one in the state and one of only 11, I think, in our category uh, nationally. Mm-hmm. So we're very proud of that. Very cool, yeah. You know. yeah. you know what I love about my library card access is the Canopy app. Are you familiar right. with that? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Oh, it, streaming service. Wonderful thing to streaming service. You've got movies, you've got documentaries. All those things you see winning awards a lot of times that you never know where to see them, <laughs> they're there on the Canopy app. So yeah. it's just another benefit. So of the yeah, library. so you can get movies, you can uh, get uh, music of all kinds, streaming music, yeah. um, and and then of course books, and, and you know get it anywhere you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, as long as you you got you're connected to the internet, you can be connected to the library. And so that's the that's the fastest growing service we've got. You know, books are not disappearing by any means in in our culture and in the library world. But we're getting access to more and more material online mm-hmm. that we're able to give yeah. for free uh, to our patrons. And so that's the fastest growing thing for us right now. I've been using the Libby app on my phone to download books and things from the library and read. Well, that's yeah. great. Well, it's you know particularly if you travel a lot, if you're moving around a lot, mm-hmm. or if it's the middle of the night and you've just read about something, you've just got to get your hands on. Exactly. Know, they're, they're, yeah. It's a it's a huge benefit to be yeah. able to get these things online. Give us a little background. What it was like growing up with the name Kemper in Kansas City? Well, um, you know, my uh, my father and grandfather very prominent in uh, in town so you know you get a lot of recognition of that and people assume that you can get tickets to anything that happened at Kemper Arena which was untrue <laughs> uh, and uh, and now fortunately I don't have that problem anymore they can you know bother the high V folks high yeah. V employees for it now <laughs> um, and uh, I you know I mean has its advantages and disadvantages people you know I, I think um, I think the uh, the only opponent of the library uh, had during the recent election uh, was probably Dave Helling at the Star, and, and and I think I sometimes think Dave has a reaction. I was I was a copy boy at the Star in 1969, okay. and I could see some of the reporters just as soon as they heard my name, there was a negative reaction, you know, mm-hmm, yeah. and you get typed yeah. in a lot of ways. So you know, it has its positives and, and negatives, and, and so I'm, every time I'm, I'm going to talk to Dave Helling from now, I'm going to change my name. Um, and, uh, uh, Take but, your wife's uh, name. Yeah, yeah, it was rumored that he referred to the library as an elitist institution. So, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, you, you know, I, on the on the whole, in in part because I think b- both my father and mother, and 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 to a significant extent my grandfather, did 
good things in the world, certainly civic things in Kansas City. Sure, um, absolutely. I think it's, you know, the name has got positive connotations, so the, my only difficulty is living up to that. You've done a great job with the library doing that. Well, so. thank you, Dan. Yes. One thing that uh, the library wants to work on that we've been, that we've been trying to do, you know, we live in a universe where we, we talked earlier about truth-telling. Uh, we live in a universe where the, there's a decline of the newspaper, um, uh, we've got a lot of information online, some of it uh, uh, with not a high level of accuracy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and what, what role the library plays uh, in that? And we've been talking to some journalists and you know, people like David Vondrilli and Art Brisbane and uh, Bob Lighton, who used to be the head of uh, research at uh, both Kaufman and Brookings, about what the library can do to make up for that. Are there things, when we, when we talk about things like the airport, for instance, mm -hmm. um, what are, what are the what what's the statistical basis for um, this need uh, to to have a a, a new uh, terminal? Um, will we really have more uh, more direct flights? Um, what will it really cost? What do these airport terminals in other cities cost? Who are we competing with? That that sort of thing. There's a lot of information in in which the city council and the voters are asked to make assumptions about things and there's no information about it. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, and, the, and the newspaper in the, in the old days when there were more reporters might have provided some of that. And with technology now we can provide a lot of it. And so we're, we're working on how we can present information unbiased or if there are biases in information we can present both sides. The, the Constitution Center in Philadelphia it has got a, uh, a great uh, system where, uh, that, that we want to ad adopt and adapt, uh, which is they take, for instance, the Second Amendment, and they put up on their, on their website, uh, they, they, they pick two guys, uh, two scholars, who have different views of what the Second Amendment ought to be today, how we ought to interpret it today. But they ask them to write a piece on what they agree about about the Second Amendment, the history of the Second Amendment, the original purpose, the development over time of the uh, judicial cases uh, about it, Supreme Court cases, et cetera. And then they ask them to give their separate opinions about what ought to happen today. And so you get a g great background and then you get a discussion of significant uh, people of, the, of these issues on, on different sides. Mm -hmm. We want to do something like that so that there's a place for people who want to understand the airport or the streetcar or the convention center hotel or the tax structure of the city. Um, economic growth in the city uh, that gives them information and and and, re and represents fairly represents all all points of view, but with all, some depth of information and knowledge. Well, that airport, what a great topic! I mean, what a great subject to the, the two billion dollar airport you're talking about. You know, <laughs> yeah, all for an orange Julius stand, right? The, yeah, the truth was such a casualty in that whole. I mean. When that first subject first came up, I'm sure, I mean, I was thinking I could sit here right now and make, with 100% accuracy, predict all of the things that would happen three years down the road, that there would be budgetary overruns and, and the, the little pieces of truth that would leak out and have to be revealed eventually and the whole process of the bidding and the whole deal. I mean, that, that's a complex... Well, and, and, and no, and no, the no-bid contract originally was, of course, a scandal in just in and of itself. But all we had to do was, again, just informationally, all we had to do was look around at other terminals mm -hmm. 
recent terminals have been built and you knew that w it was going to cost significantly more than a billion dollars. That is number one. Number two, nobody did a study of, and it's all easily available, I mean, you can Google it and find out uh, if you spend enough time Googling, uh, are direct flights. We kept hearing that we were going to get direct, a lot more direct flights. In fact, we have more direct flights today than most cities our size, mm -hmm. and direct flights are directly related to the size of the economy uh, of the city. That there's just no getting around that unless you have a tourist economy, which we don't have. And so Nashville has more flights than, than we do, but it's because people are coming in for the country music, yeah. um, and we don't have anything like that. So uh, you look around, we're not going to have more direct flights. I mean, that's, a, that's just simply an easy prediction unless we subsidize them, which we're not going to do, probably. And you see, the cost, we could have we known by simply doing comparisons, it was, was going to cost more than they said it was going to cost, exactly. and we weren't going to get, and we aren't going to get uh, direct flights. And then, you know, the, the other thing about this is that, that's stunning is we, we've screwed it down to so few gates that we can't add airlines now. And unless, of course, Spirit and uh, Allegiant go away, which they've announced they probably will go away because of the expense of the airport. So mm -hmm. we, might get a, we might get a new, new airline, but it will replace an old one. And the big guys want away. them to pay the same amount. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> Problemate uh, and then solutionize. Yeah. Yeah, so there are a number. There are a number of things where we did. We didn't. The city council, the civic institutions, and and the newspaper didn't do because everybody was excited about this idea of a new terminal. Didn't do their basic uh, information gathering, basic analysis. And and then the last thing I'd say about that is, the consultant for the airport and the star touted this in a in a big way. Said that we we're going to roughly double by 2030 the number of emplanements, the number of passengers. And mm -hmm. that is despite the fact, this again, this has been pr in print maybe once or twice, 1999 to 2018, we have roughly speaking the same employments. We haven't grown the airport traffic in 20 years. So how in the next 12 years are we going to double traffic? That, it, it, when traffic is always related directly to the size of the economy of the city, mm -hmm. unless you're a tourist, uh, you know, unless you're Las Vegas or Nashville. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it, none of, none of the, the basic statistical uh, information that we got uh, was correct. And just on the surface, it was magical thinking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, you'd, if you've ever put a business plan together, if you've ever put capital at risk, if you've ever got, done a, a legitimate marketing survey to hear, this is free, it's going to double the traffic, it, Everybody's going to love it. It won't cost anything. Well, we, another number that we heard was that you know, we might see a 3 to 5% increase in ticket prices. I guarantee you, it's, A, it's going to be a $2 billion airport, and I guarantee you that the, the increase, uh, the average ticket price will be uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20%. And, and so, yeah, the taxpayers aren't paying for this, mm -hmm. maybe. I mean, if right. some things fall apart, we'll see, because they don't have a contract with anybody yet. Mm -hmm. But, but the, the person who pays for this is, the again, the working person uh, who's not got a big salary, mm -hmm. who's, whose mom is uh, you know, 700 miles or 1,200 miles away and, and, and is sick, that person is, is going to see ticket prices too high mm -hmm. to go visit mom. Um, and uh, you know, that's, that's what, we're, what we're giving up. Uh, to, to get this bright, bright and shining new front door for the 
uh, for the city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, is it, it won't. You know, the members of the city council or the chamber are not going to be affected. Another fifteen percent in their airplane flight they can handle. Um, it's the you know it's their secretaries and assistants uh, mm -hmm. who yeah. have a hard time. Definitely. I can honestly tell you, I don't remember ever hearing anybody complain about the old airport. Seriously, it just wasn't mm -hmm. top of mind. Oh, my, terrible my wife airport. Complained about the uh, <clears throat> uh, the bathrooms, the women's bathrooms. Mm -hmm. so just, so okay, you know, all there, right. There yeah. are there are those who, of course, that a lot of that is just maintenance question. You know, is yeah. uh, a lot a lot of what people. Uh, were unhappy about with KCI's maintenance, or you know things things like the kind of monopolistic attitude towards uh, transportation in and out of the airport. Well, so that'll all get fixed. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Well, do you want to uh, put Crosby into our game show here? Yeah, for this I, moment? I okay. think oh, we should. No, okay, Great. good. Well, we have a little uh, a little quiz show. It's called Germany or Florida, uh, Crosby. Every really. <laughs> idiotic insane crime in the world happens either in Germany or Florida right we found actually some a library oriented crime and mm -hmm. we're gonna ask you okay. whether this happened in Germany uh -oh. or in Florida okay great. right after we play the introduction jingle Germany or Florida Germany or Florida Germany or Florida, things are so effed up there. All right. Well, Crosby, here we go with uh, with the, uh, the the story. Your job, of course, is to tell us if this happened in Germany or Florida. Okay. This is from 2014. 2014, and the records show that a couple of men were caught doing the dirty in the bathroom of a main library. Mm -hmm. And when confronted, one of them argued that there were no signs anywhere prohibiting that in the library. Mm -hmm. Some other cases went along too with the adventures going on and the people watching pornography on library computers in the library mm -hmm. and things like that. So it was just a mess. Yes. Yes. And of course, it is based basically on the fact there were no signs saying that you couldn't do any of this in the library. Well, that, that's got to be uh, Germany because yeah. they're very sign oriented, you know. Germany or Florida? He says Germany. The, oh. the answer is <laughs> out of Miami, Florida, this came. Jeepers Creepers. Well, you know, so there's just a lot of German tourists in Miami, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> well, that's good. Sorry, there's no prize today, no prize but for have God. another cigar, have some okay. more mimosas, and thank you so much for joining us. This it's has been, been fabulous. Today. Uh, well, I've really enjoyed this. Crosby, thank you so much. Well, that about wraps it up for this version of Dick and Loy's Media and Marketing Mayhem. Thank you for listening this deep into the podcast. We'll be back with more engaging people to chat with coming up. Loy? You might love it. You might hate it. It's my favorite freaking show. 